Hi everybody, welcome back to the Babbling Bearded Biker podcast. Thanks again for tuning in, and here comes this episode. Hello everybody, just want to say welcome back to the Babbling Bearded Biker podcast. Um, first things first, I just want to apologise for how long it's been since um, since the last release one. Um, I caught COVID, which I'll get on to shortly. So, just a quick rundown of what we're going to do tonight. Um, so I'm going to talk about COVID, talk about the death toll, uh, the anti-vaccinators, the government response, and see what the plans are for the next podcast. So yeah, so I, I caught COVID. Um, it's quite funny. I've been working with COVID since the start of the pandemic. Didn't get it, even when there was all these issues around mask wearing at work. Um, we had patients coming in left, right and centre with COVID. And I, d- I didn't get it. I was quite lucky. I go out for once. One of my friend's dad do's in a crowded pub in Norwich, and I caught it. Um, so I caught it the Saturday, which is where I believe I caught it. And then Sunday, I felt fine. Monday, had a sore throat. Didn't think anything of it. Tuesday, sore throat was still there. Didn't think anything of it. I went to a... Um, I was put on a first aid course, three-day first aid course for my voluntary work. I just sat through it, just had a sore throat, and that was it. Nothing dramatic. I was taking a fisherman friend type sweets just to try and get rid of it. Wednesday come along, I felt like I'd been hit by a bus. So did a lateral flow, boom, positive. That's the thing with, with COVID now is that it mimics so many of the illnesses. I thought I just had a sore throat. It was only because my wife said to me, look, do an LFT just to be sure. And boom, it came up as positive. So I was like, right, okay, I need to contact this person, contact that person, get a PCR done. I got the PCR done. Um, I isolated, but because of the rules, the government rules, I still had to send my kids to school. Then my wife got it a week later. So I had, to, I had to sort all that out. So on the Wednesday when I tested positive after I'd um, messaged the people on the course and um, organised an LFT to be done, um, my wife said to me, look, just go to bed. So I did, I went to bed. And I thought, I'll go to bed, a couple of hours sleep, might feel better. No, I felt like I'd been hit by an absolute train. Now, now the most scariest part for me was not knowing what was going to happen because after working so long with it and seeing the effects it's had on young, fit, healthy people like myself, as well as the um, older people who are vulnerable, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't scared. I was absolutely terrified because I knew that the first couple of days you feel all right and then all of a sudden, boom, you've got your breathing problems, you're dropping oxygen levels, etc., etc. Now, luckily, I didn't get any breathing problems. I didn't get anything too dramatic. So I'm pretty convinced I had the Omicron variant, which, again, I'm quite lucky in the fact that it was just that and not the the more dangerous Delta one or Alpha one that we had at the start of the pandemic, which, unfortunately, as, um, as most people know, killed quite a few people. Now, I managed it just by essentially clearing out Tesco's of cold and flu tablets. Now, with my job, I have a fully stocked medicine cabinet of all sorts of minor ailments. 
and medication and things to deal with such minor ailments. I mean, we've got plenty of Calpol, Paracetamol, cold and flu tablets. I just took loads of cold and flu tablets, probably more than I should have done, but it worked. And after a few days, I felt fine. But the scary thing was, like I said, is that after, I think day five was the one where people um, sort of felt absolutely fine. And the next day, they felt absolutely awful with the breathing difficulties. And I, I was scared that was going to happen to me. Um, but luckily, it didn't. And I managed to recover quite well. Or so I thought quite well. Um, then my wife got it. And then my daughter got it, my youngest daughter. And as kids do, she bounced back within a day. She had a day of feeling crap. Um, we just kept a dose of Calpol. Next day, bouncing off the walls as normal, as normal five-year-olds do. But because of the rules of isolation, my two older daughters could still go to school, which I don't really understand. We LFT'd them every day just to make sure, but they could still go to school. And as, as far as I'm concerned, they could have potentially um, spread it further. I didn't really understand that or why that was the rules, but rules are rules. I mean, if we'd kept the girls off school, then they would have got down as an unauthorised absence, absence, and then he would have got the uh, truant officer around the door, which I don't quite understand. But hey, government rules are government rules. Luckily, they didn't get it, and they seem to have missed miss a boat on that one which I'm quite happy about um because nobody likes to see their kids poorly I mean you've got to be a bit weird if you do so luckily they didn't get it so COVID is still around um it's still very very much around um but with the removal of all of the um all the restrictions then you know it's, it's going to spread um, I mean, masks aren't worn anywhere now. Social distancing's out the window. You don't, you don't really need to isolate. To be honest, there's no legal requirement to isolate. So, I mean, if I if I got COVID, there's nothing stopping me legally from going, going into work or going out with my friends or whatever. But morally, there is. But unfortunately, morally doesn't mean people are going to do it as they should. I mean, staff um, like myself and my colleagues and all over the world, we, I'd like to think um, the amount of things that we have seen, even in the past couple of years, um, has made us better. I mean, if, um, you know, more moral, if we get it to protect other people, to stay, stay at home. I know um, during the first wave there was quite a few of my colleagues who went to stay in a hotel, um, which graciously was given free of charge. That was the Oaklands Hotel in Norwich. And they gave gave staff the uh, free rooms so they could stay away from their families and the young kids or their vulnerable family. Um, it broke the hearts of the staff, but it was a needs, needs must because even then we still didn't understand what COVID actually is or how it, how it moved around people. All we knew was that there's a, a viral illness, it seemed, going around which would, would kill people. And it was, it was killing loads and loads of people in the first wave. And I think um, for years to come, we are going to, going to use a lot of therapy, not just for, um, for the nursing staff, 
involved in it, but for everybody, um, for the kids as well. My my eldest daughter didn't manage very well during during the lockdown because she's a bit of a social butterfly. She couldn't see her friends, she couldn't go to school, and she got quite anxious, and that's something we're still dealing with, um, which unfortunately makes it worse about the uh, the tea parties that happened at Downing Street and, and all that. Um, I mean, I, I missed my Nana's funeral. Uh, she died... Um, 2021 I think um, but I had to miss a funeral because there was a limit on the amount of people that could go and and that is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do was missing my nana's funeral um, up in Middlesbrough because of the Covid regulations um, I mean it's it, heartbreaking I, I was sat in my house upstairs watching my nana being her, her funeral on my computer you know i mean that broke my heart that i couldn't be there for not only for the funeral but for my family um for my mum for my dad for my sister because they had such a limit on who could go it was a bit of a potluck and i said well i'm not gonna be able to get up there because i'll have to get the train up there and, you know, if someone's closer, then they can go. And that's what happened. And, I mean, that was awful. That was awful. I mean, we, we you know, we um, we respect we respect every time we meet and, you know, do it that way. But not being there at that crucial time was absolutely heartbreaking. So when you see um, news reports and videos of... MPs and ten down the street, all having a laugh and a giggle, and you know that the tea party in ten down the street in the height of height of restrictions, and you just think, what is that all about? How on earth do they think that's right? I mean, the death toll from COVID is humongous. So the death toll as of today, the fourth of April is 6,154,808, and that's worldwide. Now, bearing in mind the um, population of the world is at this time 7.7 billion, it doesn't seem a lot, it really doesn't, but when you narrow it down, that I mean, there's 67 million people in the UK. Um, but every single one of those six million plus are someone's family someone's friends their mothers fathers sons daughters sisters brothers husbands wives and it's been a monumental amount of people i mean you can't even figure that out um i mean there's in the uk alone there's one 166,000 dead. That's just the UK. Again, compared to the 67 million people, that's not a lot really, is it? But like I said, when you think about it, when you put it in perspective, each one of those people, each one of those 166,000 people are someone's family members. And they've each had to had a funeral. They've each, you know, they've the, the, there was no discrimination. They were young, they were old, they were healthy, they were ill. I mean, we 
lost one of my colleagues from it and she she was an amazing woman absolutely amazing woman um she was on the news and all she wanted to do was come back and work with us because we were so busy and watching that news report with her on the ventilator that just broke my heart i can't watch it i really can't watch it and i'm quite a tough guy with my emotions and everything but watching Estrella just say I want to be with my colleagues because we're really busy it just absolutely broke my heart and it makes things worse knowing knowing this when you have people who deny that COVID exists um, and we've had them at work and they say it's all fake, it's all this, it's all that I nearly got into a fight with someone I did a um, a protest a few months ago and I did a speech and this guy just said to me I don't believe in Covid I was like you stood here and listened to me talk about my experiences over the past two years and you keep saying that it doesn't exist and he just would not stop unfortunately I did um, end up losing my rag with him and told him if he didn't want his face rearranged she's going to have to back off because he was just saying to me, I don't believe all that. Nah, it's all fake, it's all fake, it's all fake. It's just something by the New World Order to control us. And in the end, I said, look, mate, if you don't back off now, I'm going to knock you the fuck out. Um, which, those who know me know, I don't, I'm not normally like that. But it just absolute beggar belief that you can have something that is so obvious and well-documented and... And, uh, and people go, actually, no, it's not real. It's not real. You know, it's just a load of crap. Um, I mean, luckily, he did back off. I probably would have got myself arrested. <laughs> but, I mean, I've been to a uh, anti-vaccine rally as well in Norwich. Um, so I like to do a bit of photography just as a hobby, uh, which is bearded bike photography. You'll see the pictures of the rally on there on um, Facebook. And I took some of the pictures and some of the things that see, these guys were saying, calling NHS stuff murderers um, and how every nine out of ten ambulances coming to A&E are full of people with vaccine injuries, which is all complete crap. It really is, especially um, especially my where I work. Um, I've never seen a vaccine injury at work. Um, they, they went down to a pub um, where the owner of the pub said, look, you're not allowed in unless you've had both jabs. He's a business. He's allowed to say that. He can he can kick someone out for wearing the wrong brand of shoes if he really wants. It's his business. And they basically besieged this pub for a good hour, chanting all sorts of horrible stuff. And, I mean, some of the placards, if you look on um, my Facebook photography page, you'll see some of the placards equating, um, equating vaccines to medical rape. I mean, there's nothing worse. I mean, rape is one of the worst things you can ever do. And But equating a, a jab in the arm to rape is just absolutely disgusting. And it was just absolutely ridiculous. Some of the stuff they were saying, I just, it made me angry. I had to put my headphones in um, to actually carry on. Because if not, I would have either kicked off or just gone home, which wasn't what I was there for. The thing is, anti 
um, being anti-vaccine. It's, it's absolutely fine. You, people are entitled to their own views, but when you start pushing those views on others, that's in, in that sort of way, that's when it starts getting a bit much. Um, I haven't witnessed it myself, but I've heard stories from um, um, uh, over in America where people have not had the vaccine, got really severe COVID, and then have been pleading with the doctors to give them the vaccine because they were just about to be intubated. And unfortunately, they're also it's too late now. You, you can't have it, and they've died. And, you know, that, that just kind of says it all. The only reason, I think that I was okay with this about COVID because I've had three vaccinations. I've had my two normal and my booster because of my work. And moving on to the vaccine, um, the vaccine response has been absolutely amazing. Um, I think 73% of the UK is now vaccinated. Now, just because you're vaccinated doesn't mean you're not going to get it. It just means that it's not going to be as bad. And I'm, I'm proof of that. I mean, some obviously some people are going to be different, but I I was fine. I've had worse hangovers, to be quite honest. Um, I mean, the government response, moving on to the government response, what can I say? Um, so the BMJ, the British Medical Journal, uh, released a paper in two, 2021, 12th of October, um, how long ago it was and the chair of council said about the report the report gives well-deserved praise to the development and deployment of one of the most successful vaccine programs in history which was delivered largely by the hard work and dedication dedication of doctors and healthcare staff lives were lost due to the government's delay in bringing in the initial lockdown ignoring scientific advice crucial junctures and the institutional failures of NHS test and trace. The way in which the government abandoned social care, the inadequate provision of supply of PPE and a lack of proper healthcare risk assessment, especially for black Asian ethnic minority staff, forced health and care staff to put their lives at risk to protect their patients. Now, Robert West, Professor of Health Psychology at University College in London, So there's no escape in a damning conclusion that the government failed to take crucial public health advice on key decisions relating to test and trace and time and other restrictions that led to many thousands of British citizens to perish. So ultimately, this 666,000 dead could have been averted um, quite rapidly. And I watched... For the first part, I watched the uh, daily briefings with uh, Boz Johnson and uh, Professor Professor Chris Whitty. Now, I wouldn't listen to Bojo. I wouldn't piss on him if he was on fire, to be honest. Um, but Professor Whitty, I don't know personally, but I've got a few colleagues who used to work with him at UCL Hospital, and they say he's an amazing man and and so knowledgeable his background is infectious diseases i mean what better person to run this he gave advice and the government ignored it they they absolutely ignored it so this these people's deaths lie solely on the government's doorstep and they they should be made to uh, to to answer for it but they won't never will
I mean, the the party at number ten, you know, no one's no one's answered for that. No one will answer for that. And I think it's something we all need to bear in mind when it comes to the general election. Their handling of this pandemic has been dire. Um, they use an outdated, an outdated flu um, performer, which wasn't relevant apart from the fact that it's a respiratory disease, same as same as COVID. But that's about as far as it goes. And also, there was a pandemic exercise. I can't remember the name of it. Ran in two thousand and fifteen, I think which basically showed that the NHS was not capable of handling a pandemic, and which, unfortunately, we haven't been. We, we've not been handling it, and we're also not handling the aftermath. Um, I mean, I'm not at work at the minute. I've been off since January. I still am off, and I'll be hopefully all going well, going back in end of April. But we're not handling it, and... Unfortunately, the NHS has been in crisis since about 2015 with hospitals closing left right centre, the Koch hospitals, um, not able to get a GP appointment, GPs are oversubscribed, people are living longer, the staffing is dire, and nursing is not a not an attractive job now because it pays crap. And I mean newly qualified nurses are on given a given a bursary i think about nine grand a year so they've got to work to pay one of my colleagues who's now a staff nurse and i've been for a few years he was at uni and placement and then working weekends so he was doing seven day stretches and he looked awful he looked terrible um he's an amazing staff nurse but he looked he looked close to death last time I saw him. I don't know what job in the world where you start your job with debt, like 30, 40 grand's worth. I mean, doctor's debt is about 60, 70 grand's worth of debt. Before they even earn anything, they have to pay back their student loans and pay back the debt they've accumulated because there is no bursaries. So it's galling when you see other industries offering all these incentives to do it, you know, you get a bursary of 20 grand while you train and, you know, you get your bursary and then you start on 25, 30 grand a year. I mean, the the um, the starting wage for a staff nurse, contrary to popular belief, is not 15, 20, 30 quid an hour. That'd be lovely. Um, starting wage for staff nurse, I think, is equivalent to about twenty four thousand a year, which that's the highest you can you can get until you start being there for longer and longer. And with the the new pay deal from last year or year before, um, you go up every three years instead of every one year, so you're stuck on twenty four grand for three years, no matter how experienced you are. Um, you will still only go up every three years as long as you've ticked all the boxes. Like revalidation for the Nursing and Midwifery Council, you have to revalidate every year to say that you are capable of doing your job. Sorry, every three years. You have to say you're capable of doing your job. You have to have an appraisal every year. You have to pay the Nursing and Midwifery Council to be on a register. A hundred and is £120 a year, I think, last time, last time I checked. But that's been going up every year as well. So... There's more money going out 
while you're trying to do a job, while, while you are literally trying to save lives, which is absolutely mind-boggling of what what the job is. Um, I mean, I know no other industry where that happens. So I've said my I've said my two bits on that. Um, kind of went off on one, I'm afraid. So what I'm going to be doing, I'm, a few things I'm going to be going forward to. So I've got a bit of a list of things I want to talk about. Um, let me know if any of these jump out at you or anything. Uh, something I'm quite passionate about, which is domestic abuse. I'm a domestic abuse champion. Um, I've done some done some work domestic abuse. Um, I've sent off uh, quite a number of referrals for people who've come in with domestic abuse. And I think it's something that really needs to be talked about. So I'm going to talk about that, um, work with NHS, life in A&E, nursing burnout, life of three daughters, you know, obviously I do have three daughters, um, money, life in UK, history, maybe motorbike clubs. Um, I want to talk about Krav Maga because it's something, I'll, again, I'm quite passionate about. Uh, people's preconceptions, that's a good one I want to talk about. Um, and current events, I'm also... Um, fingers crossed once I sort it out with somebody um, I'm going to be talking about menopause um, and the effects it has on the person having menopause because um, obviously I do not do not know a thing about it so I'm just trying to organise an interview with her so if anybody has any ideas or particularly want to hear about one thing or they, you know, they want to do a bit of an interview then send me a message Right, thank you very much, everybody. Look after yourselves. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening to me babble on. Your comments are all welcome, and I appreciate you listening to me. Look after yourselves.